And it's nice to see our young people sitting up front. I really like that. I like it, yeah. That way I can look right at you. If I get all wound up, you're in the spit zone right here. Just a quick thought before we get into the sermon today. Yesterday, we had 16 volunteers who helped to pass out groceries, boxes of groceries, dry goods and frozen meats, Uh, 108 families, 442 people represented by those families, 3,210 pounds of food. Amen. Yeah, amen. And, uh, you know, I just want to say this about our volunteers. They just do a wonderful job uh, representing the Lord, expressing God's love and uh, every one of them just encouraging those folks that came through. Uh, you know, we pray together before we start passing out the groceries and we pray with the people. We share with them the good news of the gospel and how uh, the Lord loves them and He died for them and He's won the relationship with them and so we talk to them about these things. It's not just the groceries, it's the good news. And we put that hand in hand, and, and it's just a great way of expressing God's love in a very practical way to this community. Many of the families are right here in this community. And we have the chance to minister to them and encourage them. And uh, I'm very thankful for our volunteers. Let me just say this. Today I'm preaching about when discouragement sets in. And if I could just share one quick thing with you, if you'll just remember this when you are discouraged or feeling down, the best way I know to get out of feeling sorry for yourself is to do something for somebody else. It really is. And I mean, it works. You know, when you're starting to feel down and discouraged, The happiest people I know are people who are always looking for a way to serve other people. And, you know, this group of 16 volunteers over here at the food bank, uh, they're, they're serving other people. And not one of those volunteers complained one time because they were busy serving others. You know, people people that are busy serving others don't have time to complain. You know, uh, if you are serving other people, God, who's aware of everything, is watching that. And he has a way of lifting you up while you are serving others. It's why Jesus said, if you want to be great among people, be their servant. If you really want to have influence, if you really want to do something worthwhile, be a servant for other people. And uh, that's just all bonus material today. That's not even in the sermon. 
it relates to the sermon, but it's all bonus material. And I, I'm just telling you, that's worth a lot. If you'll just package that up and take it home with you, and just remember when you're feeling down and discouraged and depressed, if you will look for somebody that you can serve, look for somebody you can help out, and God will show you the way, and you can help them out, and they'll just pull you right up. It is just an amazing thing. I've seen it happen in my life, and I've seen it happen in the lives of so many people around me. Today we're continuing our sermon series in First Peter, and it's a sermon series about those designed specifically for those who are going through difficult times. And I know, because I talk with you, that many of you are going through those very difficult times. So how do you respond when all of life seems to be hard? When it's just coming at you in waves? How do you keep your faith when you're under such pressure? How do you stand strong and move forward in faith when it just seems like your whole world is coming apart of the seams? How do you use that situation that's so painful for you and use it to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord? That's what this sermon series is about. And I do want to welcome the people who have joined us by way of the internet. I'm so grateful for you and uh, thank you for your notes on Facebook, letting me know that you're listening to this sermon series. We welcome you and ask you to just download that listening guide. It's the same one we're using right here in the worship center at Eastside Baptist Church in Auburndale. Please follow along with us as we study God's Word. I'm reading from 1 Peter chapter 3. If you'd like to follow along, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verses 13 through 17. 1 Peter 3, beginning in verse 13. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That is, remember that Jesus Christ is your Lord. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason. For the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That is, you know, when when you're talking to somebody about Jesus, you don't get in their face and say, hey, you're going to hell. That's not the way you talk to people. You don't take the Bible and beat people with it. In fact, you love them. You encourage them. And you talk to them with respect. Because every person Every person is deserving of respect. Amen? So we treat people with respect and honor. And when we do that, it earns us a hearing with them. 
and then they are ready to listen to us talk to them about our Savior, the Lord Jesus. So sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. In other words, live your life in such a way that when people criticize you, everybody around you knows it's not true. Because they know you and your walk and your character and your integrity. They know that you're following Christ. When they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So Peter writes to us about our own lives and about how to overcome discouragement when it sets in. In the first two chapters of this letter, 1 Peter, Peter refers to trials and hardships, and he says, look, every believer is going to face these things. This included persecutions that would come from unbelieving the unbelieving world, and even persecutions that come from people that are close to us. You know, the people that are closest to you are the ones that are able to hurt you the, the most severely, aren't they? So, Peter refers to those. And in spite of our desire to live peacefully, in spite of our desire to be a blessing to others, in spite of our desire to pursue what is good and depend on the Lord, sometimes... We're going to be mistreated, slandered, persecuted, and hurt by the world and by those who are closest to us. On top of all that, some of us go through financial hardships. We face physical problems. You know, we've got people right here in our own small church who are battling cancer. We've got others who are facing unknown physical issues. Others that are going through tests. Some of them are facing tests this week. And those kinds of things can discourage you. And then there's the multiplied problems of strained relationships. You know, it's just very, very difficult to be at peace and to follow the Lord and to stay focused when you're in a strained relationship with somebody. And it can be very discouraging. You just don't see any hope. Full-blown discouragement can set in when these things happen to us. So, how do I respond when discouragement sets in? Peter gives us five important truths. I'm just going to go over them with you. This is what your listening guide has laid out, and I hope that you'll take notes and just follow along. Uh, follow along. Five important truths to help us overcome discouragement. First of all, 
Number one, remember God's sovereign protection. Verses 13 and 14, listen to what Peter says. Who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? You know what he's saying here? He's saying that God is so much in control that he actually protects you from harm. When you are following the Lord Jesus, there is a protection around you. And God wants you to know that. So if you get discouraged by what's happening in your life, please remember God's sovereign protection. Listen to it again. Who is he who will harm you? The answer is, nobody. Who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. So even these hardships that are allowed to come to our lives become a source of blessing. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that God protects me from the things that would destroy me and God actually uses painful and difficult circumstances in my life to bless me? Is that what you're saying? Yes, it is. That's what the Lord is saying in His Word. So even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed and do not be afraid of their threats nor be troubled. In other words, don't focus your attention on the people. Don't focus your attention on the circumstances. Focus your attention on the Lord. Get your eyes back on the Lord. Peter's point is simply this. If suffering should occur, you are kept by God's power and no harm can come to you. We were singing about that just a minute ago. We were singing about it. No one can pluck me from his hand. Amen? Well, let's read where it actually says that. You ready? John chapter 10. John's Gospel, chapter 10. Jesus is speaking. Beginning in verse 27. John chapter 10, verse 27. Listen to what he says. My sheep hear my voice. You know what you need when you're discouraged? You need to hear the shepherd's voice. Listen. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And listen. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Listen. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Look at this. Here's the hand of the Lord Jesus, and here you are. Right there, okay? You're right there in His hand. Now watch this. Here's the Father's hand. The Father who is greater than all. Watch this. Nobody in heaven or on earth can touch you without it first going through the Father's hand, then through the hand of the Lord Jesus, and then and only then can it touch your life. Are you telling me that those so-called accidents were actually allowed by God to touch my life? Yes. God is that much in control. 
Are you telling me that God can actually use an accident to bless me? Yes. Are you telling me that that person who said bad things about me, God allowed it? Yes. Are you telling me that God can actually turn those wicked, evil things into a blessing? Yes. <laughs> That's the point. Who is he who will harm you if you are in the hand of the Father? If you are in the hand of the Lord Jesus, no one will snatch them out of my hand, right? I mean, the Word of God is either true or it's not. It's true. And so the harm that we experience, listen, the harm that we experience is intended to build our faith and be a blessing in our lives. So, here's the best thing to do. Receive it. You say, well, you don't know the conflict I've been through. You don't know the heartache. You don't know the pain. You don't know what I'm facing. I'm just telling you, the Word of God supersedes all of what you've been through. And here is the truth. God wants to turn your painful, difficult circumstances into a blessing. And He will if you'll allow Him. He'll do it. So here I am, I'm trying to do good, I'm trying to do right, and still I get hammered with hard times. How do I respond? Well, because I belong to Christ, everything in my life first must pass by the hand of the Father, then it must pass by the hand of Jesus, and then, and only then, can it touch my life. Well, Pastor, you just said that. I just said it, and I'm going to say it again. And the reason I'm saying it again is because it's true and you need to hear it. Listen, everything, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, everything that touches your life must first pass by the permission of the Father. It must then pass by the permission of the Son. And then, and only then, can it touch your life. And God intends everything that touches your life to be a blessing. That's what it says. So if you're discouraged, this is one thing you really need to remember. The sovereign protection of the Lord. Romans 8.31 is going to come up. We're going to read it together. You ready? You ready? Say amen. Let's read it together. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is, nobody. So if you're discouraged this morning, if discouragement is starting to set in, and you're wondering if God really does love you, He does. If He really is in control, He is. If He's going to use these painful things as a blessing, He will. That's what God's Word says. And I either believe it and receive it, or I reject it and say, no, that's not true. I don't accept God's Word. I do not accept by faith what He has said. I'm going to make it on my own. How's that working for you? All right, number two. 
Here's the second thing we want to remember. Remember God's sovereign power. Fear, anxiety, discouragement, and intimidation are emotions that we experience during time to suffer. Peter tells us, shut the door on those emotions. Don't let them control you. <laughs> Easier said than done. Peter reminds us that we are blessed even during our trials. We are not afraid of what men can do to us. Rather, we should remember that we are highly privileged, we know God, and we trust in Him. Remember that God has the final say. He is in control. He has all power. And He's so powerful that He's actually able to take your suffering and make it into a blessing. Wait a minute. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how painful and difficult it is. You don't know how hopeless my situation is. I don't know those things, but I'm telling you, the God who created heaven and earth does, and He said he would turn it into a blessing. And he's powerful enough to do that. You know, I talked to somebody this week who said to me, he said, uh, Pastor White, he said, you're not going to believe this. But I'm telling you, this is the most painful thing I've ever been through. And it's the best thing I've ever been through. I said, oh, I believe that. I said, in fact, I'm preaching about that very thing this Sunday. Those painful things pile up on us and they discourage us and we wonder, are we ever going to get out from under this load? They just pile up on us and they'll discourage you. Discouragement can set in if you're focused on what you're going through. But if you're focused on the sovereign power of the God of the universe who has said... I will make it a blessing. If that's where your focus is, then your eyes are wide open and you're looking for how He's going to bless you. You're a child of God. You belong to Him. Listen to what He said. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God and are the called according to His purposes. Now friend, listen. You cannot claim this if you are not God's child. This is reserved for the followers of Jesus Christ. It is only true of those who are following Jesus Christ. If you are not following Jesus Christ, I have some frightening information for you. The God who is in control, who turns curses into blessings, will turn your blessings into curses. That's what the Scripture teaches. So you're either following Jesus, and He's turning your curses into blessings, or you're following this world, and your blessings are turning into curses. You know how I know that? Not only is it in the Word of God, I've personally experienced that. 
that which you think is a blessing will knock the legs right out from under you if you are not following Christ. If you're following Christ, then it doesn't matter what comes to you. God will turn it into a blessing. He is that powerful, friend. You say, you don't understand what I'm going through. I really don't. I, I don't, and I'm sympathetic. I know some of you are carrying huge, heavy burdens, and you think, this is never going to work out. But I'm here to tell you, I'm announcing to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will turn to Him, He will actually take that situation and turn it into a blessing. That's what it says in His Word. We're going to trust God or we're going to trust ourselves? We're going to trust God or we're going to trust the circumstances? Circumstances will lie to you. They are not what you perceive them to be. God will never lie to you. You can always trust His Word. You can always claim what He says. If you're following Christ, He'll turn that painful, difficult circumstance into a blessing. Remember the sovereign protection of God. Remember the sovereign power of God. Here's the third thing. Remember that Christ is our Lord. Verses 15 to 17, Peter reminds us, he says, Sanctify the Lord as Christ in your hearts. This is talking about our relationship with the Lord. So that when these waves of discouragement, these difficulties come upon our lives, we're immediately to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, You are Lord. You are Lord over this circumstance. You are Lord over these people. You are Lord over everything that's happening in my life. You are the Lord. And we're to remember that. Who is the Lord? He's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in flesh, who died on a cruel Roman cross, who shed His own blood, who was dead and buried, and the third day He rose from the dead. That's Jesus! That's the Lord, and He's the Lord of heaven and earth, and He's the Lord of life and death, and He's the Lord of curses and blessings. He's the Lord, and you need to remember that. Who is He? He's the Lord. Is anything, answer me, is anything too hard for the Lord? Are you sure? Can He get you through this? Great news for you. He can not only get you through it, He can get you through it with blessing. This is the God I serve. This is the God we worship. This is the song we sing in Christ alone. Remember, Christ is the Lord. When I'm threatened by hardship and mistreatment and persecution or discouragement sets in, I need to remember that my faith is not anchored in a mere man. My faith is not even anchored in the church. My faith is not anchored in the pastor. My faith is anchored in the risen Savior of the world. My faith is anchored in Jesus Christ. It's not some vague mystical power. (laughs) This is Jesus, whose name is Emmanuel. (laughs) 
Emmanuel. You know what that means? God with us. This is the Lord of glory, the creator and sustainer of the universe who loves us so much that he was willing to take on a human body and become like one of us. God in flesh. And he loves you so much that he's here this morning. He's God with us. Emmanuel. We must remember that He is Lord. When you're discouraged and you're facing the most difficult of circumstances, remember your faith is anchored in the risen Christ. Number four, remember that Christ is our hope. When everything around you tells you to give up, why don't you just quit? It's never going to get any better. When everything around you is coming apart at the seams, when your life lacks meaning and purpose and value, and you're just, your heart sick because of what you're going through, here's what you need to remember. You can cling to the Lord because He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He will get you through. He is our hope. Biblical hope has three characteristics. First, it is centered on Jesus Christ. There is no hope really apart from Him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's the hope. Friend, your bank cannot solve your problems. Your government cannot solve your problems. Your community, your police, your leaders cannot solve your problems. There is no political machine anywhere that can solve your problems. And if you're putting your hope in the election of a new president, God help you. The Republicans do not have the answers, friends. The Democrats don't have the answers, and the Independents don't have the answers. Look at the mess they've made. Here is the hope. Jesus Christ. When you have Him, you have all that you need. That's because He created the entire universe. Nothing is too hard for Him. He can actually turn a curse into a blessing. He's the one who loves you so much He died for you. And now He lives for you. He's our hope. Biblical hope. Three characteristics. It's centered on Christ. Second, it's dependent on grace, not works. Here's what I want to share with you. You're sitting here this morning, you're saying, well, this is all good. Pastor, I agree with you and I know it's true, but you don't know my life. I have made so many messes, it'll never get untangled. Here's what I would say to you. There is grace to meet you at your point of need. And God has never met a tangled mess He could not untangle. He will minister to your needs. He will take your life right where it is, place His hand of blessing upon it, and transform you under His power.
You say, well, I don't deserve that. There's not a person here that deserves that. None of us deserve it. He gives it to us because we don't deserve it. All you have to do to get it is admit that you need it. Anybody here need it? Of course. All you've got to do to get grace is to admit that you need it. Grace is God's unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor. And He gives it to you because of what Jesus did for you. He died on the cross so you could be forgiven for every rebellious act, every act of disobedience, every sinful thought and word, everything you've ever done wrong, every sin, He paid for it with His blood. And you can be forgiven. I announce that to you in the name that's above every name. You can be forgiven today for everything you've ever done. And i got even better news. You can be forgiven for everything you ever will do. <laughs> That's the power of the blood of Christ. He's our hope. Our hope is in Him. Unbelievers are puzzled when we say, well, my hope is in Christ. Our hope is centered on Christ. It's based on grace, not works. It's not about what you do. It's about what Christ did. And here's the third characteristic. It is a confident expectation of good. When I commit my life to Christ, I can confidently expect He's going to do me good. Why? Because He promised. Hope is a confident expectation of good. You mean I can expect something good to come out of this terrible situation? Yes, you can. Based on the authority of God's Word. These unbelievers, they're puzzled. They say, how in the world can you hang on to Christ when your life is falling apart? Why do you have this hope in Christ? We should be ready to respond to them. Why do I hope in Christ? Because He's the sovereign Lord of the universe. Why do I hope in Christ? Because He's my protector. Why do I hope in Christ? Because He's the resurrected Savior. Why do I hope in Christ? Because He's the Almighty God. He's the Creator, Sustainer, and Ruler of heaven and earth. Why do I hope in Christ? He's the Shepherd of my soul. Why do I hope in Christ? He's the faithful caretaker of my life. Why do I hope in Christ? Because I know I can trust Him. He's my Savior. Now y'all wait a minute and I'll get wound up. Number five, remember that Christ is our testimony. When we are going through suffering, whether it's physical problems or financial hardship or marital strains or persecution, there's always going to be questions that come into our minds. First question is this, is God really in control? And the answer is yes. He is so much in control that it's beyond your ability to comprehend. He is so much in control that He can actually turn your suffering, your pain, your struggles, your discouragement, 
he can actually turn it into a blessing. That's the God I want to worship. He can turn my heartache into a blessing. That's the God I want to worship. He can actually turn your death into life. What an amazing God. He can turn your defeat into a victory. He can turn your tragedy into a triumph. He's that powerful. Is He really in control? He is. Can I, can I just share with you, this gets me all wound up, so hold on for just a second. The Bible says He knows what you need before you even ask. How is that possible? He's God. He knows you. He loves you. He holds your next heartbeat in His hand. He holds your next breath in His hand. He's that close to you and He's fully in control. And you can trust Him. He's your testimony. And listen, can I just share this with you? One of the reasons He allows you to go through these difficulties is so that you will come out on the other side with a greater level of trust in Him. He's going to show Himself faithful to you. And He'll get you through it. He's able to do that. He's a great God. Second thing. This is the second question. How do I deal with my emotions? Because they're there. They're very real. I, I feel discouraged. I feel anxious and troubled and can't seem to turn my mind off. How do I deal with those things? We remember that Christ is with us. He's right here with us. The Bible says if you're a Christ follower, He's not only with you, He's in you. He'll be your strength. He'll be your defense. You don't have to be controlled by fear and anxiety and anger. You don't have to be controlled by discouragement and depression. You can let Christ take control. Because He's with you, because He's in you, you can actually turn it over to Him. You can say, Lord, help me not to worry or be anxious about this. Help me just to turn it over to You. And Lord, you take control of this. Because I can't fix it. Right? Everybody say amen. I can't fix it. Right? I can't fix it. But He can. He can turn it around. He can make it into a blessing. He can use it to build my faith. He can do these things if I'm willing to let Him have control. Is He in control? He certainly is. Will He control my life? He will. If we turn it over to Him, if we allow Him, He will take control. Second question, how do I deal with my emotions? Let Christ take control. Shut the door on those emotions and say, Lord Jesus, You take control of this. Third, why is this happening to me? Another reason we ask this is we just want to know that what's happening to us actually does have a purpose. The answer to this question, is there a purpose in it? Yes, there is. God has a purpose in everything He allows happen to you and me. And the purpose is to bring forth our testimony of hope. 
a rock-solid confidence in Jesus Christ. And you don't learn that and you don't get that when everything in your life is going easy. The only time you learn how faithful and true Jesus is is when you walk through the most difficult time in your life and He stands right beside you. And He guides you and He protects you and He actually turns those hardships into blessings when you find that out, you find out how faithful He is and you can really trust Him. You don't know that. And everything in your life is going smoothly. The only time you find that out is when you're really facing a tough time. Nobody can solve your problems but Jesus Christ. You want a temporary fix. You just want to put a band-aid on it and hope it goes away. That's not the way to handle it, friend. The way to handle it is turn it over to the one who loves you. Turn it over to the one who will never leave you or forsake you. Turn it over to the one who has the power to protect you and to bless you. Turn it over to him. Would you do that? What's your next step today? Perhaps it's this. You need to commit your life to Jesus Christ. There may be here somebody here this morning who's never made that commitment, you know. You, you've been hearing about Jesus, but you've never personally said, hey, I need Jesus to be my Savior. I, I wish I could do that for you, but I can't. You have to do that. You have to make the commitment to the Lord Jesus. You can't inherit it from your parents. You can't inherit it from this church. You have to personally receive Christ as your Savior. It's very, very simple. Like A, B, C, right? A, admit that you're a sinner. Lord, I know I've messed up. I've been trying to run things myself. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Admit. Nobody comes to Jesus Christ without admitting that they're a sinner. Secondly, B, believe. On Jesus Christ. Believe that he died for your sins. Believe that he rose again the third day. Believe on him. Let her see. Commit your life to him. This is more than intellectual agreement. You know, you can sit here this morning and agree with everything I just said and still die and go to hell. It is not mental agreement. It is personally committing your life into His hands. Turning your life over to Him. And that's a faith issue, not an intellectual issue. When you know the facts, you need to act on the facts. And that means turning your life over to Him. And I'm going to encourage you to do that today. After this service is over, if you'd like to know what it means to follow Jesus Christ, I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to talk with you about turning your life over to Him. Maybe you need to take a step like recommitting your life to Christ. Yes, you committed your life to Christ a long time ago, but you've gotten away from Him and you just need to come back home. I've got great news for you. He'll forgive you and welcome you home. He has open arms. He loves you. You can trust Him. Why don't you recommit your life to Him today? And you can do that very simply. You can just say, Lord, I, I've been trying to run things on my own without you. 
that I'm, I'm turning things over to you today. I'm recommitting my life to you. I want you to be in control. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I invite you to take your place in my life today. Maybe here's the third step you would take. It's about going public with your faith and being baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. It doesn't add to your salvation. It is a public testimony of your faith in Jesus. It's your way of saying to everybody else, hey, I'm not ashamed to follow Jesus. I've committed my life to Him and I want you to know He's my Savior and I'm going to follow Him the rest of my life. And that's what you do when you go through the waters of baptism. You say to everybody out here, I have decided to follow Jesus Christ. He's my life. He's my Savior. And I want you to know it and I'm not ashamed of it. So you need to go public. It's your public profession of faith. That's what baptism is about. And then finally, some of us here today need to place our confidence in God's great love and power and not in our circumstances and not in our emotions and not in our abilities. We need to turn things over to the Lord. Anybody here that needs to turn something over to the Lord, would you raise your hand? Okay, the rest of you just need to raise your hand because you do. You know, all of us do. Come on, let's admit it. All of us have things we need to turn over to the Lord. There's stuff that you don't know what's going to happen next week, and you better turn it over to Him now. He knows everything, and He loves you, and He's willing to guide you if you'll turn your life over to Him. Would you join me as we pray? Thank you, Father, for Your Word. Thank You for this time to be together, to share and fellowship. Thank You for loving and caring about us. Thank You for the truth of Your Word that sets people free. We invite the Holy Spirit even now, to speak to hearts. Help people to take that step of faith, Lord. A step of faith to follow Jesus. A step of faith to recommit themselves to You. A step of faith to be baptized publicly. A step of faith to turn everything over to You. Lord, You know the things I struggle with. much as I understand, I'm turning that over to you. You're here today and you need to make that same commitment. Turn it over to the Lord right now, would you? Whatever it is, turn it over to Him. Lord, I pray for those who are discouraged this morning, who just need to be lifted up by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd lift up every discouraged person. I pray that you would minister to their hurting hearts. That you'll bring comfort and peace. I pray that you will set people free by your power. Set people free from the lies of the enemy. Set people free from fear and anxiety and depression. Set people free from being so discouraged that 
they're ready to give up. Set them free by your power. Because of Jesus. In his great and powerful name we pray. Everybody say it. Amen. Amen.